You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our reading this morning is Psalm 16, a miktam of David. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those will increase who run after other gods. I will not pour out their libations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you have assigned me my portion in my cup. You've made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the grave nor will you let your Holy One see decay. For you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Our text this morning is John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Beloved congregation of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, He arose from the dead. Up from the grave He arose with a mighty triumph over His foes. He arose as a victor over the dark domain, and He lives forever with His saints to reign. He arose. Satan could not triumph over Him. Sin could not destroy Him. Death could not hold Him down. Jesus Christ arose from the grave. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the death is the most significant thing that has happened in the history of the world. Yes, His death is world-changing. 
Yes, his ascension into heaven is incredibly important. But the resurrection is proof and vindication of all that he has done. And it's a sure guarantee of all that he on the last day will do. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we see that he overcame sin and death. And in the resurrection, we see that we will one day too. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead stands at the very center of our faith. And that's what was preached by the apostles in the time after Pentecost. If you were to open the book of Acts and flip through, you'll see that the apostles are constantly preaching the risen Christ. And so we see there that the church is founded on the resurrection. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we're nothing but a bunch of misguided fanatics. We really are. We would be the most pitiable people on the face of this earth to worship someone who's lying in the grave. But we don't do that. And since Jesus Christ did rise from the dead, we are simply those people who are compelled by the truth to recognize the truth, to understand the implications of that truth, to live according to that truth, and to praise God for it. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead changes everything for us and for our world. Peter, Paul, John, the other authors of the New Testament, they they spare no words expanding on the relevance of the resurrection for us. It's so important that Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, then our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. It's incredibly significant. And yet, given how important it is, it's striking how sober and restrained the gospel writers are in in showing to us the resurrection and telling us about the events that surround the tomb. We might expect that no sooner would they mention the resurrection than they would go on and saying how much this changes everything for the world. If, if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, well, that means that sin is conquered. That means that death has no power, but they don't do that. They don't expand on the significance. They simply recount the facts. But they do that for a, a certain reason and a very important reason. Through the witnesses at the tomb, what John is emphasizing for us is the reality of what happened. He's emphasizing the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that alone is significant. And he emphasizes that so that we might believe. And so that by believing, we might have life in his name. And so I preached to you the Word of God this morning under this theme, Believe in the Resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. Believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll see first the witnesses of the empty tomb. And then we'll consider the belief of the witnesses. And third, we'll consider the life that comes from that belief. So first, the witnesses of the empty tomb. As we begin to look at our text this morning and we consider the fact that this is one retelling of the resurrection, one account of it, and there's several others, we need to ask ourselves, what's particular about this recounting of the resurrection? Well, what's particular about this is the pains that John goes through to describe the witnesses or the witness to the resurrection. Before our passage, you can see in the NIV, there's the title given at verse 38 of chapter 19, the burial of Jesus. And notice there that it's in fact two men who bury Jesus. Two men is significant because in Deuteronomy 19, the law of Moses said that two witnesses was necessary to establish fact in a court case. Well, when Jesus Christ is buried, when he's put in the tomb, there's two men to witness to that. One is Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy landowner, a respected man. And the other is Nicodemus, a member of the party of the Pharisees, also presumably a respected person. And so we have two witnesses to his burial. We also, at the beginning of this account, are given the first witness to the empty tomb And that's Mary Magdalene. She's the first one to go to the empty tomb. She goes there, we read, very early in the morning while it was still dark. Well, if this was the only account of someone finding the empty tomb, then perhaps we might have reason to be suspicious. For one, we read that it was early in the morning and it was still very dark. Perhaps Mary's eyes were fooling her. Perhaps she was mistaken in what she saw. That's one reason why we might be suspicious. Another reason why, perhaps not we, but people who would read this in the first century context of of the world that John lives and writes in, is the fact that people were suspicious of women. They wouldn't accept the testimony of a woman in court. Women weren't highly regarded in society, And so Mary's witness to the empty tomb for the broader public wouldn't have counted for much. So she is the first witness, but perhaps in the minds of some, she wouldn't be a credible witness. And well, we'll we'll go on to speak about the other witnesses as well, but we should pause for a moment to consider two points about Mary. One, the world that John lived in might not have had a high regard for women, but the Spirit of God does. Mary is given this place of of honor, a privileged position. She's the first one to see the empty tomb, and she's the first one to see the risen Lord. You read about that after our text. The Spirit of the Lord here, in, in having Mary be the first to witness the empty tomb, gives her a a place of honor in the church. So that whenever we read about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we see that special place given 
to Mary Magdalene, someone who might not have had a special place in her times. The second thing that we need to consider is that John and the Spirit of God aren't concerned primarily with making this account acceptable to all readers. Then they might have just left this part about Mary out. But that's not their primary concern. John wants to recount for us what actually happened. So Mary is the first person to see the empty tomb in John's account because Mary is the first person to see the empty tomb. The fact that John includes Mary as the first witness has the effect of making this account actually more believable. He's not trying to present a perfectly acceptable account of what happened. He's simply recounting the facts. But there are more witnesses to the empty tomb than just Mary. Peter and John, most likely it's John, the disciple whom Jesus loves, they also see the empty tomb and they see much more than what Mary saw. And it's significant, as we said, that it's two men who see the tomb because this would have held up in a court of Jewish law as being credible fact. So they see the empty tomb, but not only do they see it, but the way that it's told to us highlights how how realistic it is. You, you can just imagine John was younger than Peter. Perhaps his legs were a little more fresh. And so he runs to the tomb and he gets there before Peter does. But then Peter shows up and being Peter and acting first and thinking after that, he doesn't think and he goes right into the tomb. This is a very Peter thing to do. And in realizing that, we see that this this whole account has a whole aura of authenticity. It just sounds exactly like something that Peter would do. And then in recounting the the witness to the tomb, John describes the fact that the linen strips in the burial cloth are present in the tomb. Why would he mention the strips of linen? Why would he mention that cloth, likely the cloth that would have been over Jesus' head as he laid there? Well, John doesn't tell us why. But the fact that they were witnessed by both Peter and John is important. Perhaps John doesn't even know what the significance of of the linen cloth lying there really is. But when you're recounting something as important and dramatic as the resurrection, then you understand that you might not grasp all the details, or you might not grasp the significance of all the details, but yet you realize that all the details are important. And that is exactly what John is doing here, as he recounts the most significant event in the history of the world. He's simply describing the reality of the resurrection. He's simply pointing us to the reality of the resurrection through the eyes of the eyewitnesses because he knows the effect that that reality has. He knows the effect that the resurrection had on himself because when he entered that empty tomb and saw the grave clothes lying there, he believed. So we come to the second point, the belief of the witnesses. 
verses 8 and 9 in this passage are really quite fascinating. We read how Peter went rushing into the tomb and then only then did the beloved disciple come into the tomb. And then we read that John saw and believed. But we're left to wonder, well, what did he see and what did he believe? Well, I believe that what John is emphasizing here is the reality of the resurrection. What he's emphasizing is the necessary conflict that anyone must have with the resurrection. John goes into the tomb. He sees the linens lying there. He sees that Jesus is not there. And he believes. We're then told that his faith is based on what he saw. And what happened? Uh, And what happened? It was not based on an expectation that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Look at verse 9. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. In the time after Jesus died, they weren't expecting Him to rise from the dead. They hadn't understood the Scriptures that speak about the resurrection. They, They hadn't comprehended Psalm 16, which we read together, which said that God would not let His Holy One see decay. They hadn't comprehended Hosea 6, verse 2, which says that after two days He will revive us, in the third day He will restore us. He hadn't, they hadn't expected from Isaiah 53 that the servant, the suffering servant would again see the light of day. And he would see His descendants on the earth. So when John walked into that tomb, What finally convinced him of the reality of the resurrection was the proof that he saw right before his own eyes. And that fits with the whole book of John. This whole book is about the signs. The signs that point to who Jesus is. But when John walks into that tomb, he sees the linens lying there. He sees the cloth folded up. He sees the signs and they're all pointing to one thing. That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. What is John emphasizing by all this? Well, it's the same thing that he's emphasizing with the account of the doubting Thomas that we read a little further. When he says at the end of that account, Jesus says to Thomas, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The point is that we have every reason to believe based on what the first disciples saw. The point is that we don't have to see it with our own eyes because they did see it with their own eyes. We have the eyewitnesses showing us the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When John walks into that tomb and believes, it's because he's convinced by the evidence. So, what does all this mean? Why is it significant that we have this eyewitness account of the resurrection? It means that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead becomes the sign above all the others pointing to who Jesus is and to what He has done. 
There have been other miracle workers in this world. There have been others who had large crowds following them, listening to their preaching. But there's no one who has ever risen from the dead the way that Jesus did. Lazarus came out of the tomb at Jesus' command, and he still had the grave clothes on him. Jesus Christ rose from his own power, and he folded up his grave cloth before he came out of the tomb. The resurrection forms the center of our faith. Belief is founded on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you hearing about Jesus Christ for the first time? Have you not comprehended what He has done? Well, then you first of all need to reckon with the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If He rose, then that changes everything. Are you hearing about Jesus Christ for the thousandth time? Have you heard about Him since you were a little child? But you're not sure of all you read about in the Bible. You're not sure about who He really is. You have some questions. Well then, consider first the resurrection from Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ from the dead. And consider the witness of the first eyewitnesses who spoke about what they saw and what they believed so that we too might know of that Reality. Do you already know Jesus Christ and love Him and serve Him and trust in the resurrection? Then look today at those linen cloths lying in the grave. Look at that face cloth folded up and sitting there and consider how that changes everything for us. We rejoice in the empty tomb this morning, brothers and sisters, because the empty tomb means the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead means the defeat of sin and death. And the defeat of sin and death means eternal life for all who believe. So we'll consider the life that comes from belief. The theme of this Gospel of John comes in verse 31 of the same chapter that our text is in, where John says that these, all these things, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. The reason why John shows us so clearly and certainly the witness of Mary of Peter, and of John himself, is so that we might believe in Jesus Christ and grab hold of the eternal life that He's won for us. Think about it for a moment. To not embrace and believe in the risen Christ is to remain in death. It's to remain in darkness. The darkness that does not see the light. The light's there, but the darkness does not see it. It does not enjoy the light. It gets no satisfaction from the light. It rejects the light. 
to not have the eternal life won by the Son of God is to have eternal death. If Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, then death is all that we're left with. But Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. And He did it to give us eternal life. A life that that comes from the life that the Father has in Himself. Our Father is the source of life. Our Heavenly Father. It's a life that's mediated through the Son. The Son, Jesus says, draws life from the Father. And He gives life to believers through faith in Himself. That life is a crossing over from death and and condemnation into blessing before God. It's the life that Jesus offers is fully satisfying and filling, just like bread from heaven. It's everything that we need. The life that Jesus gives is a state of, of blessedness before the Father. It's living in in God's perfect acceptance, where all the barriers and the problems caused by sin are removed. And all that remains is the light and the glory and the presence of the eternal God and all the blessings that that brings. This is a life, brothers and sisters, that we look forward to in the future. Yes, the future that is guaranteed by the reality that we have our risen Lord in heaven at the right hand of God the Father. He is the guarantee that one day we too and all who have put their trust in Him who have died will rise from the dead and live with God forever. But this is a life that we already share in the present Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead to be victorious over the grave at a time and a place to be determined later. No, He rose victorious over the grave when He arose. He is victorious over sin and death. Brothers and sisters, look today at the empty tomb. See those linen cloths. Hear the testimony of the angels, of Mary, of the disciples, and believe that Jesus Christ rose victorious over sin and death. Trust in Him and share the victory that He has won for you. Live in the eternal life that has been given to you by Him. Taste and see the blessedness of your sins conquered by Him. Not you conquered by your sins. These words this morning were written for us that we might believe in the risen and victorious Jesus Christ and so receive, share, and enjoy the eternal life that He has given us with the Father. The life that we have through Him, Jesus Christ, Our Lord, He arose. He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, 
please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.